Uh, but it's exciting to be together, and it's cool, even this year, as we're, we're going through the book of Mark, and actually the whole region, all three of our churches are going through it together. That's the first time we've, like, coordinated fully in, like, ten years, so... Everyone always feels like, you know, the Spirit is moving in different directions, but now the Spirit's moving all in the same direction here. And so if you could see, even the the songs and the scriptures and everything are all, like, lined up. You'll see that in a minute. But even as we're singing the words, lead me, Lord, you, Lord, Lord only make me dwell in safety. And you're going to see that fitting together even in the sermon today here. Um, But even as I get started, I just wanted to... You know, let you know, I don't know how long you've been around uh, the church, been around God, but hopefully you're still changing and growing, right? We started the year, maybe you reluctantly did your vision board because Justine had that great idea at midweek, but I just want to throw it out here, kind of a disclaimer, that I'm still growing even as a speaker, okay? you Some of you are like, thank goodness. But after like 30 years, I kind of felt like, you know, I kind of got a certain way down. But now I'm trying something else. So I just want to let you know what I'm doing so you don't wonder what's happening. Okay. (laughs) Kind of the idea before is, you you know, you, 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 you read a scripture, you explain what it meant, you give an illustration and you make an application. Right. So it's like ABC. Right. If you. Maybe you hadn't thought about it that way, but that's kind of what most preachers preachers do, right? They, they tell you what it meant for them, and then they tell you what it means for you. So kind of what I'm trying is to be more creative. It's like vision board preaching, maybe. And so you don't just get what I tell you it means and what I tell you that you should do or be, that you get something different. That maybe it takes you in a certain direction where you, feel, hopefully the goal is that you hear what God Amen. wants you to do yeah. or what God wants you to be. It may not even have anything to do with what I'm saying, but God, the Spirit might take you in a direction where you'll hear his voice. And so that's kind of the idea. So hopefully you can be a little more creative and in your listening where you're just not listening, but you're, you're thinking, you're imagining you're like Peggy said, you're letting the spirit guide you. Now we're, we're, we're directed by the Holy scriptures and we're believing that the inspired word of God along with his spirit is going to lead us. So let's say a prayer and then uh, we'll get into it here. Oh, before we do that. So at, this is why I was saying this whole thing. So, and then I'll, Apart from the scriptures, right, God talks to us all the time, right? Hopefully, as you went through your week, you felt like God was speaking to you, that you didn't just go from last Sunday to this Sunday and God not say anything, right? So I felt like God was speaking to me this week, and it had nothing to do with the passage that we were talking about. So I'm going to go kind of like to the end of the third quarter of my sermon, and then I'm going to take a break, and what I say there has nothing to do with Mark chapter 1. And then I'm going to go back and finish the fourth quarter with Mark chapter 1. Okay, if you're... It's the first day of the playoffs, first week. Okay, so I kind of use that for you guys there. 
If you're like me, your, your team is out and you're just waiting till next year. So I have your full attention. Uh, so let's pray and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you that you're always helping us to grow, that you're stretching us, that you're leading us, uh, that you are uh, in front of us, you're behind us, and you're within us, Father. I pray that you uh, open up our hearts today through your word. You get me out of the way that your spirit can guide us uh, through Jesus. And I pray that we can leave here more in love with him, more inspired by him, more committed to him than ever before. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, in verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Jesus travels to the desert with the rest of interested Israel to hear from John the Baptist. This Elijah-like prophet with long hair and bug appetizers. He submits himself to this baptism of Israel in the Jordan River. As Israel had submitted herself to God for many years, crossing the Jordan to enter the promised land. The time had come for God to bring a savior, for this Messiah to be revealed. We need to repent to be the people that God calls us to be. As Peggy said, to prepare the way for the Lord. Pursue God and not our own desires. God's kingdom is headed in God's direction. And our faith at our baptism calls us to a new set of rules that follows the Beatitudes and the cross rather than the rules of self, of comfort, and of division. Jesus comes out of the water and hears his Father's words and experiences the Spirit descending upon him in heaven being torn open. Mark highlights that Jesus heard this voice and saw the Spirit. His friends tell us that John the Baptist and others saw it too. We voyage in our minds to our baptism, or we picture this in our future. To be loved for who we are and not what we do or what we produce. To be whole, to be a child of God. Not someone else, but us. We share the dreams that God has for his people and for creation. We are home. God's dreams are not our dreams. And they weren't the dreams of Israel either. They dreamed of, for centuries, of, for freedom, to throw off Rome's yoke. From their necks. Even today, God's dreams may not be ours. 
We can we can want more than we can we can want more than just being his son or daughter. Let's take a moment to accept his love and for us and his desire for us that he died for us. This place of rest, this place of peace, and this place of safety reminds us that we are whole with God. We don't need anything but Him. He is enough. Accepting this love and this new way of living can be costly and dangerous. Many of us have experienced this. And as you continue to read, you see that John the Baptist will too. He prepared the way for Jesus, fulfilled his purpose for, from God, and then he died a sudden and violent death. Jesus is flying high from this father experience in the Jordan, and the Spirit comes down and gives him a hug. And recognizes this miracle of him descending to earth from heaven. He saw heavens torn open. Mark would later say that the temple curtain would be torn from top to bottom. And the barrier between God and mankind, humankind, was destroyed. The Spirit takes him from this repentant multitude into the wilderness. Why can't I have more of this living water? Why can't I have more of these fatherly hugs and spirit parties at the Jordan? Why am I alone? Because God is with us in the wilderness too. He provides manna for his people daily and keeps our shoes or rainbow sandals from wearing out. He gives us the strength that equals the power of the Spirit who conquered death. There is no path, no tasks to accomplish, only to be led by the Spirit's guidance. There's no fellowship in this place when we are isolated from God's daughters and sons for a time. My heart revealed my desires and my thoughts exposed. And my limitations mark my path like cones in the road. Sleeping, walking, finding water and food, we are sustained. Jesus is sustained with no food. How weak we are in times of stress and challenge. We are led into the wilderness for 40 days. The original time that the spies went into the promised land to explore. They brought back the fruit on their shoulders and reported this victory. Yet most of them only saw fortified cities and opposition. And their hearts sank as they described themselves as grasshoppers except Caleb and Joshua, who were convinced that God would make good on his promises. 
How did Moses endure his double dose of 40 days with God and alone? He opened himself to God and his faithfulness in the covenant which they entered. Elijah, John's predecessor, spent 40 days running from Jezebel and Ahab before he sat down to hear from God. Now Jesus experiences this humanity, this temptation, this time alone with God, his Father, this time of self-reflection. Mark doesn't mention his specific temptations, but we know them well. We may not mention our temptations either, but they're still there. Forty days to set our faith straight, to change our habits. God wants us to fight spiritually for 40 days and beyond. The accuser may come with wine, women, and song. Or he may come with discouragement, self-criticism, and worry. He may remind us of our mistakes personally or as a church. He may challenge us by what we do, what we do not have, or even with things that once were. In order to announce the kingdom of God, we too must get rid of our sinful desires and pick up the path of Jesus. Not the idea of following Jesus, but the cruciform, cross-carrying life of service, of faithfulness, and of love for him and others. We're already at the third quarter. We take a break from Mark 1 here. Some of you are excited. We're almost done. Last night we went to this, we went to a gala. And it was a night to remember. I didn't even know exactly how to describe it. And so I called the, our friend who put the event on and I said, how do you, no really, how do you describe this event? She said it was an event that brought neuro, neurotypical adults and those with intellectual and developmental disabilities for full inclusion. We had a prom. It was a night of joy, of dancing, of food, of red carpets, of cheering when they walked in, of beauty, and even centerpieces. Nikki made some amazing centerpieces that you might see at Women's Day. It was also a night of awkwardness. It was a night of discomfort. And it was a night where I was out of my element. But not everybody was out of their element. Certain people shine, people that had learned to love people so differently, their loved ones and their friends and It was amazing to see people coming together. I wasn't the only one that was awkward. I wasn't the only one that was uncomfortable. We were joined by the Coachella Valley Autism Society, the United Cerebral Palsy Group, 
and others that came together. And I was just imagining, what does God see here? His children dancing and living their best life. We go to a party and you hope to have a few people dancing and they dance to the very end. It was humbling, very humbling. That's their life. That's their mom's life. Their dad's life. It was beautiful. And it showed how much does God love. And it showed the limitations to my love. To our love. I figured out that I could high five. So I high-fived a bunch of people, a bunch of the guys. I helped some people out. But it was an experience that I needed. You know, when you feel like, man, God has put me here. This is not my choosing, but God's. There was a one of our friend's sons. He was dancing. And, you know, earlier in the night, one of the guys came up and he's like, who's my date? You know, he kept asking me, who's my date for tonight? And I'm like, I don't know, man, you know. And I, I kind of watched him along the night and he didn't really care about date. He, he just was having a good time. It was just like a, something fun to talk about. Um, but I saw one of our friends there and he was dancing and with one of the girls and, and they just kind of held hands kind of awkwardly held hands for a long time, maybe like five or ten minutes. And I'm just like watching, and they had the biggest smile on their face. And I was just like, wow, he's, he's at prom right now. You know, I don't know if he'll ever have a touch of a woman or more than that, physically, sexually, anything. I just, but man, he was loving that time, it was such a pure moment. And it was good news that needed to be shared. Didn't fit with Mark 1. But I know, hopefully we can be aware when God leads us into these situations. You know, also on Friday, I went with Gabe to this Conference called Life Surge. Anybody ever heard of Life Surge? All right, I'm going to, I got nobody, I could say anything now. <laughs> I was describing it to Danielle, and it was 50% God and 50% money. And there was a lot of Jesus and a lot of good news and a lot of gospel and a lot of life changes. And there was a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Profits and money and I want to be in the chief. I want to be the head, not the tail. And I just kind of go, well, I don't know about all that. But as I was there just thinking, like, what is God saying here? I don't have to 
agree with everything. It doesn't even matter what I agree with. But what is God doing? What is he saying? And so I just took some notes that I wanted to share, and hopefully you will connect with something. Because I felt like God, God's here. There's, there's some stuff going on here that I needed. One, one of the guys was up and he said, you, you bought the lie, now point out the liar. Spiritually. And I just was thinking, man, Satan is throwing lies at us all the time. And sometimes we don't even know it. But when, if we could identify it and call him out, they will go away. And it was such a cool moment. Nick Vujicic, Vujicic, I think. You might have seen him on YouTube. He's the guy, he's got no arms and no legs, and he's like got the spirit of a giant. And they carried him up, they wheeled him out on there, and they, they kind of give him a hug, and they put him on this tabletop stage, and man, did he go. And he stopped every... Every, you know, made some statements. One time he stopped and he says, you know, I'm not always grateful. And I just, man. He's calling himself out when he's not grateful. That was enough for the day, really. He said, you know, sometimes I see God's plan for other people's lives. And I get envious. I'm like, how do you even talk like that? How do I even think that way? How, why do I do that? And then he says, if you're here to be comfortable, you don't know Jesus. That woke us up. He said, let's get uncomfortable and be people that make a difference. I mean, isn't his whole life uncomfortable? I'm thinking, isn't his whole life uncomfortable? And he's calling us not to be comfortable. He's calling himself not to be comfortable. And he said he had a dream for his life that he wanted to get 200 million people to give $2 a day for poor people. I just thought, where do you even come up with that? I don't even know how much that is. But he's got a purpose. He's got a mission to help people. He was preaching to help save people. and He's a passionate guy. And I just thought, man, I need that. I need that. Whatever that is, I need that. You know, it was a place where people were not shy about bringing their tithes to God. I don't know how many times it was said. Test me in this. Put God first. Seek the kingdom. And I just thought, man, that's that's not something that you hear that much, even at church. But that's something that we need to be make more comfortable and common. And for many of you, I know it is. You know, we heard from this woman who founded Auntie Annie's Pretzels. And uh, she said that 
Focus on what you have and not on what you don't have. And do something about it. And I thought about that for our church. You know, we could think about what we don't have or we can recognize what we do have and do something with that. And even personally. You know, it was uh, moving to think about her life. You know, she shared some amazing transformation where she was abused by a clergy growing up. And she kept it quiet for seven years. And she was married at the time. She kept it quiet for seven years. And she finally opened up to her husband, thinking that he would leave, thinking that her life was over, thinking that she was nothing. And just talked about the freedom of walking in the light. The freedom of being honest, of being open, of not carrying around secrets. And now she has this amazing, passionate person. And just thinking, man, what would that do for us? Maybe it's not that issue. But just to be open people, to walk in the light, to let people know what's, in, what's going on, what's really going on. What a day. And I'll close with this last story. There was a guy that, his name was Ed Milet. He honestly was, he was kind of one of these people that really rubbed me the wrong way. You know, you got the, whoever that is for you, this, it was that real aggressive, real like, man, you know, macho. And I'm just like, oh, come on, dude. But I, you know, I persevered through it. And then he got really open and I felt pretty stupid. He said when he was 15, he used to look at the door every day when his dad came home and wonder if he was going to be drunk. And he said he could start to realize all the things that he would do on a good day and on a bad day. And, and how that ended up, those skills ended up helping him later. But just that fear. And then he said that when he was 15, his dad got sober and they had an amazing relationship. They had to work through a lot, obviously. And he shared about that, which was really moving. But then later on, he said he talked to his sister and said, you know what, I never thought that there was a person, there was an ex-drunk that talked to my dad, the drunk, that helped him to get sober, that helped us to have this life. And he said, one person changes a family, and one person can change a legacy. Be that person. The people that we connect with were the people who call us during sermons. <laughs> the people that we connect with are the people that we once were. That's what he said. His dad, an ex-drunk, helped his dad in his time of need. Whatever we were, that's who we can help the most. Not that we can't help anybody else. 
but to look at that, that you can change someone's family, you can change a legacy of someone's life with God. That's all I got. But again, I felt like that just needed to be shared because that's, I felt like I needed that. And also the idea that our money is God's and we can use it for him. And I came back a lot more conscious that, man, I need to be real careful with what I spend my money on, that I don't just throw it out the, the door, that I, I, it's purposeful for God, for the right things, family. And it, it kind of gave you that extra, like, jolt. So hopefully, maybe you need that jolt as you're coming out of Christmas and you're like, man, I got to get my stuff together. I got to get out of debt or I got to get back on track or I got to do whatever. Uh, I kind of came back with a little bit of that, which is a good thing. Uh, Not always for the people around you, but uh, it can be a really good thing. So I figured I'd pass that on. Okay, now let's get back. Back to Mark here. You're with me? (laughs) We're we're kind of on a journey here. We're going back. Remember Jesus in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, the wild animals and angels attended him. Okay, we're back on that. Elijah was by the brook with the crows, bringing him food. He was fed by a miraculous jar of oil and eventually fed bread cakes from an angel himself. God goes before us, behind us, and his presence is within us. John the Baptist may seem like a wild animal himself, with his garb and diet of locusts and honey, but Jesus was animal-friendly. He was away from people, and not that he cuddled wolves in the night, To most of us, wild animals are not a good thing. And to early Christians, they were even worse. Symbols of death and persecution in the Colosseums and beyond. We've all seen videos that inspire fear in us of wild animals. Being charged by bears, being attacked by snakes, spiders, or whatever else, killer whales, or whatever else you have in your mind. Sorry if you like killer whales. (laughs) But then the creepy, crawly things, snakes, and mice, and lizards, and bugs, and scorpions, and and the cute things, rabbits, and roadrunners. The nights in the wilderness with noises and darkness, crickets, and fear, and wind. Most of us, if we spent the night outside, uncovered, with wild animals, we would be terrified and praying for morning. We've seen too many movies. We'd have a hard time making a fire, much less sleeping by one. Comfortable in his own skin and at peace with God, Jesus trusts. God will protect me even when I'm vulnerable. With no sword, he faced animals with peace in the spirit of Isaiah 11. And I'll read that. 
A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. His roots, a branch, will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into a viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Angels attended Jesus in his time of testing during and after. The Spirit never left him alone. Counselor, peace, power, and spirit-led. One person can make a difference, can change a life, can change a legacy. Let's pray for our communion. Father, thank you for this time as we think about Jesus led into the desert. We think about his baptism. We think about his sonship and your words. And how you, you led him by the Spirit that he could be refined, that he could overcome temptation, that he could die ultimately and tear that curtain to make a way for us. God, I know even now as we take communion that this is a spiritual fight, that we recognize your body and your blood as real food and real power and real forgiveness, and home, and that oneness, that peace that we need, that wholeness that only you offer. God, we're reminded that now that we don't need anything but you. Please forgive us. Please help us. Please lead us when we're vulnerable through our wilderness that we can recognize that you are before us, in front of us, and within us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.